to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I'll take about 10 minutes, hopefully. Um, I've struggled this week with, with what to share, and, and um, the Lord kind of reordered all this last night, and, and um, my notes are all on the back here this morning, and so if we even get to that place. But what, what I want to say to us and, um, is God is in the business of love. He's in the loving business, and, and you know, we're, we're going to come into Valentine's Day this week, and there's a romantic love, and, and I, I really appreciate what Ben said. It, it's here, and it's gone very quickly. The, the, the candy hearts are, are gone as soon as you can eat them, um, and the flowers die, unfortunately, within a week or two, probably. But God's in the loving business, and, and we talk about many times that since God is, is who He is and we're made in His image, that he wants us to be conformed more into his image as well, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and, and he wants us to walk and look like him more and more each and every day. And so if he's in the loving business, it means we got to be in the loving business. And as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, uh, I think we have this one coming up. It says, we're to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial offering and fragrant offering to God. And that we're, that's the way we are to walk as well. We're to walk in love and, and, and really let love be part of who we are. It's the gospel message is so much about love. Now, if I say love, there's all these different thoughts on what love is. If I say I love to eat chicken wings and I love my wife, there's two different things of love there, and you probably get that from context. Obviously, the way that I love to eat a chicken wing is not the same way that I love my wife. Amen? amen. You at least should say amen, right? And, and the way that I love my wife is not going to be the same way I love a chicken wing, right? And I don't even like chicken wings. I don't even know why I said that necessarily. I mean, I'll eat chicken wings, but I don't necessarily love them. But there's this idea of love has so much different um, degrees of, of strength there within it. And, and we have talked some about our focus values, and one of them is that we love big. We want to love big more than just, um, hey, we like chicken wings, or hey, we like this person, or we like that person, but going deeper. And, you know, a year ago we talked through a series, kind of unofficial series of getting out of the boat. What it means to get up out of the boat, to get to the water, onto the water, the point of no return, that sometimes as we're walking out in the water, we have those Peter moments where we just kind of grab the beam and we hold on for dear life. But the point of getting out of the boat is the idea of being uncomfortable. And, and we have to learn to like being uncomfortable in the kingdom of God. Now, it's good that we, we have comfort foods and we've got comfort, comfort pajamas and we've got comfort days. There's those things that we need as part of rest and, and restoration. But sometimes, and maybe it's the way it's been through the American church the last 20, 30 years, there's this been idea of, of just to get comfortable in the church, a consumer mentality. What do you want in the church? Find the church that's going to that's kind of challenge, or not challenge it, that's going to meet those consumer needs. I want this, 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 and this. But yet God wants us to be uncomfortable. And we have to learn that if we're going to love big, it's going to require us to be uncomfortable. It's going to require us to go beneath the veneer. There's a veneer that's there in love so many times, especially in the church. Well, I love this person, but do we do life together? Are we willing to do life together? So we have to go beyond the veneer. And so I've been, I've been kind of thinking the last few weeks, and, and obviously there's a rhetorical part to this question, but the question is, can a diverse group of people dwell and worship together with one mission, one purpose, and one heart, given what's going on within our culture, the, the polarization, as you would say, within our culture? 
And I think it's a question we have to ask. Can a group of diverse men and women who love the Lord dwell together? Now, I'm an idealist, and, and, I, and I also believe um, in the truth and the Word of God. And I think the answer is absolutely yes. But there's some things that we have to understand about dwelling together as a diverse group of people. And, and not just PIC, but a diverse group of people within the kingdom of God. When, when you talk about a Swahili church or you talk about um, a Latino church, you talk about um, even denominational uh, differences and theological differences. Is yes, we can dwell together in the kingdom of God. But we need to understand a few things. One is that the enemy is our enemy. The devil is our enemy, not other people necessarily. Because the word tells us that, that, that Satan, he, he roams the earth like a lion looking to devour someone. The word tells us that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill this church. He wants to kill the kingdom of God. He wants to steal. He wants to do whatever he can. And as Ephesians tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers and against authorities against the darkness of the world powers and against spiritual forces of evil. Those are the things that, that we really fight against. But there's also something we have to understand is, is for a diverse group of people to dwell together, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy. And I've been going to some of these race reconciliation um, meetings um, that have been hosted by different churches I went to an interfaith um, service at the Jewish temple um, a month or so ago. And, and there are good things. There's good awareness coming out. There's, there's good information being given. And, and, and I'm so grateful for this church. You know, I grew up, most of you know, in the mountains of North Carolina in a county that had three minorities. There was one black family and two Hispanic families. So there wasn't a lot of variety in terms of thoughts sometimes. Now, some of you went to, to App State, and App, you know, Watauga County has a little bit different than my county. But, but the point being, and I don't even know what the point, what was I saying? Someone help me out. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying, all right? It gets messy. Oh, going to these talks. And, and I come away saying there's got to be more. Awareness is good, yes. And, and, and you guys, being part of this church, have taught me so much about different things, things that I've kind of been blind to or things I just didn't know about and, and things that, that I've kind of maybe at first been like, nah. And then as you think about it, you're like, okay, maybe that is true. There's, there's a good that comes out of that. But I've been saying, what is the next step? What's the action? It's good to talk and it's good to bring awareness. It's good to have cultural awareness. What is the next step? And, and I've kind of been frustrated by that. I've talked to Ben some about this. I've talked to Michael, I've talked to others saying, what, what, what do we do? How do we move forward? And, you know, last week when Kenny was here, uh, there were a number of other police officers here as he was sharing. And, and Trey Davis was here, who most of you probably know Trey, who came about a year ago and shared. He's, he's a police officer, but, but he's also ordained minister. And, and, and he has a heart, and I've seen him at some of these events as well. And we were talking out in the courtyard um, after service, and, and kind of the same thing. The last one we went to, or I went to, he was there too, and we felt like it was done really well. A good talk, good awareness, and there were some action points that people could plug into. And I said, but still, there's got to be more. And he said, you know, and he pointed back into the sanctuary, into the door as we're standing outside. He said, this is what it takes is for a group of people who are willing to live together and to get messy and to be uncomfortable. And it hit me like, yes. You know, it's easy for someone to go to a group meeting, but what's going to happen is you're going to go back to the group that you're most comfortable with. 
to the group that thinks like you, that may look like you, that, that has some of the same thoughts as you. But when you uh, are willing to live together, and that's one of our core values, focus values, is we want to live intentionally. Is when we're allowing it to take place, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also uncomfortable. Sometimes we want to run. We just want to pull the cord and get the heck out and say, man, I want to go to a group or a place where I feel comfortable. Sometimes coming to church like this, it may not feel safe because you know there's going to be some, some different thoughts. There's going to be some different ideas. And that's okay because for us to be of one heart, one mind, one mission doesn't mean we've got to think the exact same thing because the body of Christ is made up of different organs and different parts. But I do think one thing that we have to keep before us, the bonding agent that makes all this happen, is that we keep the main thing the main thing. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's just not some generic thrown out statement. It is the two greatest commandments that Jesus talks to us about, to love God and to love people. It's to love God and it's to love people. What that means is that we don't sweep issues aside. We don't sweep them under the rug. It means we're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about what's going on in this world. We're going to talk about different things that we may be displeased with or things that we may be pleased with. We're going to, we're going to talk about those things. But at the end of the day, regardless of our different views, whether it's theological or, or even political or economical or, or whatever it may be, is we have to come back to the fact that Christ is the center and he's the center of it all. Because if we begin to meddle in, in other things that are, are minor in essence, then we lose our focus and Christ is not the center of it all. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, as I said, it doesn't mean then we don't stand for certain things because there's things I'm displeased with. There's things I've been displeased with for years. And if I told you, you'd probably laugh and say, that's not that big a deal. But there's other things I'm displeased with or things I, I'm disturbed by, not just politically, but spiritually and, and all these different realms and stuff. But at the end of the day, Christ has to be the center. But there are also things I'm going to stand for. There's heart causes that I have on my heart. Refugees are one of my heart causes, and, and, and you get to see my heart cause because I'm the pastor. I get to, I get to figure out who comes in and who doesn't, right? <laughs> Missions is maybe one of my heart causes as well, and, and, and that's that. But, you know, if I polled everyone in this room and said, what's your heart cause? There would be 100 different heart causes. If you even talk about, you know, it may range from, from homelessness to working with children to the elderly to missions. Now, if you just take missions by itself, you may say, well, uh, Syrian refugees or Brazil or Cambodia or this. There still would be all these subgroups underneath that, that, would, have, um, that would be out there and be evidence. There can't necessarily be one great heart cause that the church has other than keeping the main thing, the main thing, that's loving God and loving people. But yet love requires action because God is in the loving business. And what he has done in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, not what he has done, but what Paul wrote through him, or he wrote through Paul, he says that we are ministers of reconciliation. Because I'm moving everything around, I don't know where it is. It says, everything is from God who reconciled us to him. This is verse 18 of chapter 5. Through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't just give it to me. He gave it to every single one of us, a ministry of reconciliation. See, what happens many times is 
church people, and, I, and not you guys, right? Not, not us. But, but the American church is, hey, hey, pastor, this is something we need to stand for. This is something we need to do. And it comes to the leadership, usually to the pastor, to say, okay, well, we'll create this program and make it happen. You don't want me to create the program for your heart cause because my heart's not going to be in it probably. And I'm going to do a lousy job with it. And Paul's recognizing this, and he's telling the Corinthian church, look, you are a minister of reconciliation. You have been empowered with these gifts. You've been empowered with a personality. You've been empowered with certain experiences and certain heart struggles to know how to deal with the heart cause that God's laid there. I don't have a heart for the homeless. Now, I will go out and feed. I will go out and work. I will go out and do whatever. But it's not something that's on my heart in the way that it probably is on other people's hearts. But if you're waiting for me to start a food bank or, or a feeding program, you're going to be waiting a long time. But you can start it. And you should start it. The heart causes that God gives us is, is not just for one person. It's for every person, but it's for one person to lead. I've had people come to me and say, this is my heart, and, and this is what I love to do. This is what I think the Lord's doing. And I'll say, okay, why don't you get it started? And they're like, no, I wanted you to start it. No, why don't you start it? And I've even had people come and say, well, I, I want to do a certain life group, but I know you're going to ask me to lead it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to ask you to lead it, because it's not on my heart. It is your heart. And that's what I want to say to us is, is we keep the main thing the main thing, but you all have different heart causes. Use your spiritual liberty. Use your civil liberty. Use whatever liberty it is to step into it and do it. Be the hands and feet. And that's what Paul's saying. Be ministers of reconciliation. In Ephesians, Paul says this, chapter 4, he says, He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry, for the training of you, the saints. I'm a saint as well. It's the training of all of us for the work of the ministry, to go out and be the hands and feet of Christ. I believe what our, our mission statement says. It says to honor God, love people, impact the nations. It means when we collectively and corporately do that and individually do that, there's going to be an impact to the nations. There's going to be an impact to the people around us. We see it corporately as things that we're doing now as we go into Highland Park and Dartmouth and, and what God is doing there. There's other things that, that we've done. We're having some talks and we're still thinking, you know, what are some of the, the action steps? There's certain things corporately we will stand for, but there's other things that we don't have the resources to do. We can't go after 100 heart causes but you can go after the one or two that God's laid on your heart. I want you to be empowered to see yourself as a minister of reconciliation. That when you see injustice, you stand up for it in the way that you feel you need to stand up. Kenny used the word calculated last week. What I think was so, so great, so grand, is that you're calculated in how, what your response is going to be. It needs to be prayer. It needs to connect to God. It needs to be informed, and it needs to be action. Those were my four points. But then God reversed them around and saying this— We've got to be men and women of action, be knowing that we're ministers of reconciliation, knowing that God has called his saints to go and do the work, that we're his workmanship created for good works. We've got to be informed. We've got to be informed, but not consumed by certain things. Now, now you've heard me say, and I want to apologize, I guess, if it's come across the wrong way, 
Maybe I have a tilt towards social media that, that I don't like social media in, in any way. I like social media. I just, I just don't put my junk out there a lot of times because I don't want my house robbed or, or uh, maybe I'm just a private person in some ways. Look, I'm not saying in terms of distraction that social media is a distraction. Anything that begins to take our focus off of God is a distraction. Fantasy sports is a distraction that can be looped into that as well. Running or whatever, food, all these things. What I'm saying is don't be consumed with something that begins to get your eyes off of Jesus. And what I found last, what I shared last week is when I was in a hotel room 10, 12 days ago and I had the news on, I started to get worked up. Now I have a political science background, but I've really disconnected from that in a lot of ways because I know how it works me up. You know, I wanted to run for office when I was in college, you know, public policy, all this stuff. And then the Lord kind of changed my heart a little bit and said, no, I want you to be a missionary. But, but there's these things that, that still are there sometimes. And I realize, look, I can be informed, but I know what my time limit is. It's about five or ten minutes, and then, and then I just got to go pray. And that's the thing is, is don't be consumed. Be informed, though, and pray. Be people of action. Be informed. Be calculated with that. And three is, is we've got to be connected to God and I wanted to share from Exodus 33, but I'm just going to pare it down a little bit. But basically, Moses and the people of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land. And what God told them is, you go into the promised land, I'm not going with your st- you stiff-necked people. And really what he was saying is, look, I'll be there, but I want you to understand that if you want to go to the promised land, you go right now and you can take it. And because what he was testing them to see, are you going for the blessing? Are you in a relationship with me because of the blessing? Or are you in a relationship with me because of relationship? And the people said, we will not go if you don't go with us. They valued the relationship. And that's what God wanted to hear. And they set up this tent of meeting far outside the camp. So you had to be intentional to go. And, and, it, and the word says that the Israelites could go and console of the Lord. And Moses would come and consult of the Lord. And, and um, Caleb is, not Caleb, Joshua as well. And the nation of Israel would stand up and worship. And I want to say that as we're people of action and as we're informed, that we also connect to the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord. He has to be Lord over our feelings, over even the way we express those. He has to be Lord over that, but we have to connect with him. We have to spend time in the tent of meeting, getting the heart of God. That's kind of the calculated part that Kenny was talking about last week in action is that we read the word, we're connected, we're in fellowship, we're loving people. If we're not connected, then we're just running sometimes after the things that are more our feelings than than the things that are of God. So I want us to understand, can a diverse group of people dwell together? Yes, they can, but it's not easy. It's intentional. There's not a one of us here who calls PIC home that's not doing it intentionally. There's not anyone here who's just, oh, I just kind of stumbled into this. No, we're doing it intentionally. We have to be intentional to do it. But it doesn't mean that we don't just pick one cause and we we run that way. It means you have a heart cause. And I want to encourage you to be a minister of reconciliation. We come together and we talk about, we, we, we're, we're, we're educating and, and becoming aware of, of different thoughts and different ideas, the ways that we view the Word, the way that we've had experiences with God, ministry things that have worked and things that haven't. But in the day, we love God and we love people. In the day, I want you to, to know that you're empowered to go out into the world and make that impact. Do you can make that impact. That's something we don't always get. That's something that we, we kind of pass to someone else. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, it's my son's. He's going to stand on my shoulders. 
No, it's you. He's called you in that place of work. He's calling you in that neighborhood. He's put you with a certain group of people who may not think like you, who may not look like you for a reason. You are a minister. And I commission you this morning. I'm done. My job's over. All right? He's looking for a new pastor now. No, no I'm kidding. If we do it, the impact to the nations, that's, I don't know if it's above the door anymore. I don't think it is above the door. The impact of the nations is not just one or two folds. It's eternal. It's eternal. It's us standing together. We're all cells in the body. And yeah, one or two may, may join in my heart cause and we become an organ. It's a heart. There's another group that becomes the lungs. It's another group that becomes the liver and the eyes. It's the body. And we all don't have to be the same. That's the beauty of it. So Lord, I pray this morning. Thank you so much for the just what you've done here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters from, from the Swahili church, Lord. Thank you for the things that they've shared. Thank you for their heart. Lord, may we just continue to, to build relationship and, and understand and know. And Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be lovers of you and to be lovers of people. Lord, I thank you that you've called us not just to, not just to be that because love, love is an action verb and that you want us to put into action. Lord, I thank you for all the heart causes that are here. As I might have said a few weeks ago, the God-given dreams that have been placed in each one's heart. And Lord, I pray that we will step into those heart causes, those dreams. Thank you that you empower us by your Holy Spirit to go and stand in the places you've called us to stand to exercise the freedom that we have in you, the freedom we have in this country, the freedom that just comes from, from who you've created us to be, Lord. Lord, I empower each person to go and make that impact, Lord, to speak the words in due season, to do the actions in the due season, Lord, to be the light in the homes, in our neighborhoods, on the campuses, in our places of work, where we, where we recreate, Lord, where we eat, wherever it may be. Lord, commission each person this morning. Let them see themselves as that minister of your gospel. And Lord, may we join together where you want to join us together. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.